Welcome to the School for Healthcare Entrepreneurs, the only podcast that provides actionable insights into the healthcare industry. Brought to you by Emitter, the leading communication platform for your healthcare business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of School for Healthcare Entrepreneurs. My name is Anmol, and I'm one of the co-founders of Emitter. Today, we have with us two leaders from the dental industry who bring with them a cumulative experience of over 30 plus years spanning across healthcare, insurance, investments, and more. We have with us David Pegg, who's the Chief Development Officer at Dental Care Alliance, and James Nick, who's the Chief Revenue Officer at Dental Care Alliance. And they're here to talk about two most important aspects of DSO operations, insurance and development. Of course, Dental Care Alliance needs no introduction. They just completed 30 years. Thanks a lot, Dave and James, for being on the show. This is going to be an exciting one. Thank you, Emil. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great. Um, so, uh, Dave and, and James, just jumping right in, maybe a good point to start, good place to start would be, you know, with each of your introductions and, and what exactly do you do at, at DCA? Sure, I can start. This is James, James Nick, uh, Chief Revenue Officer at Dental Care Alliance. And I've been here uh, just over three years now. It started in uh, March of 2018. It's been a good ride, unexpected ride, particularly for the last year. Uh, but, it's, but it's been all good and great, great organization to work with um, and great people. I met David Pegg, obviously, about three years ago. Maybe a little, little less than that after he finally stopped avoiding my calls and texts. Um, but, uh, but, but anyway, um, been, been great to work with Dave and, and it, it is, a, it's, a, and, and everyone else been a great organization. Um, the areas I oversee at Dental Care Alliance are, uh, insurance plan management and credentialing, um, we, our marketing department, and then our analytics department. So those three departments and, uh, all really focused on helping our, our offices, our, our, our practices, uh, find opportunities for growth and, and unlock those opportunities for growth. So, um, that's me. Um, Dave, you want to go? Sure. Um, so hi everybody. My name's Dave Pegg. Uh, I'm the chief development officer at dental care Alliance. Um, so in, in terms of my responsibilities, uh, within DCA, I, I oversee, uh, all of our affiliation partnership efforts. Uh, so as a chief development officer, we're really tasked with um, building out a best-in-class network of doctors, teams, and practices. Uh, today, uh, we are in 20 states, uh, over 330 practices. Um, we've been historically, as well as presently, very active uh, in the affiliation uh, business. Uh, and really, at the end of the day, we look to partner with doctors who are at the peak of their profession uh, that are looking to align themselves with a partner that can help unlock growth uh, for both the practice as well as themselves and their teams. Uh, prior to this, um, I arrived to DCA a little bit of a, of a unique avenue. Um, I was a private equity healthcare services uh, investor uh, for close to 20 years uh, and then had the opportunity in uh, the third quarter of 2017 uh, to join a, a, a individual who I had known for a long time and an investor who I had known for a long time uh, to help come in and uh, be part of the build out of the, the next generation of leadership that was going to springboard DCA from where it was to um, uh, new great things. Uh, so it's been, as James pointed out, it's been a terrific experience. Um, it's been a one of a kind experience to be inside an organization that is popul populated with such terrific people, um, both from a support services uh, perspective as well as the doctors and the teams that uh, we're partnered with and that are that we're affiliated with. So, been a been a great great ride so far, and I think the best is yet to come. Great, <laughs> thanks a lot, James and and Dave for you know for sharing the background and. For your introduction, um, you know uh, it, it's so humbling to hear these stories, and, and especially, especially now that DC has completed 30 years and, and they're spread across 330 plus locations, which is which is huge. Which is essentially what also got me into the industry after listening to 
stories from different DSO leaders, and and I felt this is such an exciting space. And and you know, although all of that happened by mistake, but there's been no looking back for me as well. Um, so congrats to both of you and the entire team on DCS 30 plus years completion, uh, which which I think is really huge. Um, would would love to understand that you know uh, I I remember from our conversation when we spoke that uh, that the focus in the last few years has been to build the management and the leadership team. Uh, what really are the plans moving forward now that you know you have a defined playbook of acquiring practices, having insurance relationships, um, have have tried and tested different methods across three hundred and thirty plus locations? What what are the plans for DCA for for twenty twenty one? Well, this is James. I, I just want to, I'll start with uh, this, sure. just talking about, we just reached a milestone as you, as you, as you uh, referenced uh, a significant one for us. It's 30 years uh, as Dental Care Alliance and uh, as a company. And so obviously it's a, a kind of a, we're sort of celebrating this year, uh, our 30th anniversary. And, and we started by uh, started the year by launching a, a refresh of our uh you know, brand, logo, uh, website, uh, essentially what Dental Care Alliance stands for and how it's positioned and uh, um, launched that in January kind of to kick off our 30th anniversary. So happy, we, were, we were excited to do that. It talked about trying to uh, introduce our people, our supported practices, our doctors as, as allies in, in a, with a shared mission to advance uh, you know, the practice of dentistry. So, uh, we're happy about that. We feel like it tells a story of who we are and how we're looking to grow with our partners and, and, and just, you know, really support in, in the development of that growth. So, um, and, you know, it helps that don't care, that Alliance is part of our name. <laughs> we could use that as, uh, sure. as we talk about being allies and it, it just perfectly defines who we are. So, um, and, and, you know, which is a, I, I think a leader in the industry kind of position to, offer growth opportunities for practices. So, um, and as Dave said, we're kind of in the, you know, I don't know if I'd say phase two or 2.0, but um, we had a lot of great people that helped found the organization and, and build it. Um, and Dave and I are kind of in the, in the second phase now as we shepherd it into the next, uh, next phase of growth. And um, so uh, excited to be able to do that and have and and, and work and, and learn from some some great uh, industry pioneers really. Um, so yeah, and and speaking you know about our the rest of our goals for 2021, I think you know we we're we're, we're excited about the position we're in. Um, we've we've uh, feel like our the growth we've experienced at the end of 2020 and into the start of 2021 is 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 you know we're very excited about that put us in a kind of an exceptional position. So, to, and has and allowed us to sort of get back to basics here. So um, after a, 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 any, a year that was anything but. Um, so that's probably how I describe it is kind of back to basics in 2021 um, with the, with the addition of probably a heavier focus in an even heavier focus on safety uh, and patient safety and new protocols. Um, we've gotten pretty good at, uh, at that. Um, but uh, for us, the basics are, uh, number one, supporting our practices and our team members. Um, that's why we're in business um, right. is to support pra our practices, our doctors and our team members um, and, and across 330 offices. So um, that that's number one always. Second thing is, um, you know, reaching more patients, growth. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so we can do that through, um, you know, uh, seeing, you know, there's a lot of people in need in the, uh, in need of dental care in the country. And we're in a position to help, help alleviate that and, and, uh, add more providers into our offices. We've got uh, a pretty big initiative to, to grow the number of uh, providers within our existing offices. Um, because we have really strong demand right now. Uh, and we're in a position where we can see patients and, uh, and, and, and uh, better serve the communities that we're in. So, um, and then, you know, third one would be probably expanding, expanding our footprint and probably let Dave talk about that a little bit. Um, and, uh, so Dave, why don't you take it away? Sure. Um, yeah, at the, at the end of the day, right. We want to be the trusted partner of choice. And as I mentioned earlier before, really the trusted partner of choice to doctors and teams that want to grow, uh, everybody likes growth. Growth is very exciting. Uh, right. and so, 
being very, I would say, um, rifle uh, focused around uh, selecting partners that uh, see the the opportunity to grow going forward, um, know that perhaps uh, either the, the the historical growth of the practice has outstripped their ability to um, to move it forward from from where they're at today, uh, or really um, see the the value that a partner can bring to the table um, to help unlock growth that maybe they don't see. Uh, and so we spend a lot of time listening, listening to our prospective partners as well as to our existing partners around where are those opportunities for growth and how can we as an organization with three decades of experience bring the tools and, and skills that have been developed and refined over those years to the benefit of the doctor, their teams and the practices. And to James's point, provide uh, high quality clinical care and as important as clinical care, a terrific patient experience. Uh, so it, it's very much rooted in aligning ourselves with doctors who we've got a shared set of values around a practice first, patient first culture. Uh, and I think when, when those pieces line up, uh, the, the combination of DCA and our respective affiliates, either current or prospective, uh, it's a very powerful combina combination and it really manifests ourselves. I, I understand that hashtags might be um, becoming out of vogue, but um, one that we use quite often is, is stronger together. Uh, and that's, that's really not just a play on words. It, it's something that we truly believe that um, DCA and our partners, it's a one plus one equals three or more. And so uh, that's where we spend as a, as a development team, as an organization, that's where we spend our time um, in discussions with doctors and teams that want to grow, that have that shared culture um, that DCA has. And uh, that's, been a, that's been a great recipe for success for us. Got it. Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing that, Dave and James. I think that's, that's super detailed. What really stood out for me from this was, uh, from your response was that everything is so patient focused, right? I mean, and all the goals revolve around patients. Of course, even the growth, you said you, you want to provide uh, better care to more and more patients, reach more patients. At the same time, when you spoke about growth as well, it was more patient-centric, patient-first brand. So I think that's, uh, that's something uh, very unique, right? That, that I think stood out for me from your response was the patient focus, right? And, and thinking about the patient first and you know, then building your brand and, and growing your brand. Whereas, you know, typically, if, if you look at marketers or, or if you look at, um, it's, it, essentially, it's not just numbers, right? You're not essentially just onboarding practices. In the end of the day, you're trying to provide great patient care, and that's where your goals and growth should come from. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, it's a good way. We, we don't lose sight of, you know, any, in any business you think about, you should really, you, you, you have to start from the customer. Absolutely. Um, that's, I mean, that's what your business is built on. Uh, so, um, you know, we do that patient is one of them. We also have our, uh, you know, as I said, our offices and, and team members, I mean, and, and we take great care to make sure we're supporting them, um, so that they can support the patients in, in, in person when they're there. <laughs> um, and then we're, you know, obviously helping add to the patient experience when they're, when they're not in the office. So, um, it's, it's, it's a good relationship. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone's focused on, uh, taking care of the customer. Uh, and you know, we don't want to lose sight of that ever. And oh, Amal, I think you touched on, you touched on a really a, a key word, which is brand. Uh, right. and, uh, we're firm believers that healthcare is a local business, uh, and that the brand is important, not merely to the doctor and the practice, but it's, it's paramount to the patient. Right. Uh, and so as we look to, um, partner with, with, uh, with practices, the, the brand reputation and recognition in their local marketplace is something, um, you know, again, assuming that it's uh, synonymous with high quality care and, and, and a terrific patient experience, that's something that we don't wanna change, rather we wanna embrace and how do we perpetuate that brand? How do we expand that brand? Um, and that's something that is not lost on us, which is it's taken in, in, in most cases um, decades uh, for that doctor to build that brand reputation and recognition in their local marketplace. And that's yeah. something that is of um, great intangible value. 
um, to, uh, to, to the doctor and to the community. And so how, again, do we plug in and how do we foster the expansion of that brand so that it's, so that we can allow it to James's earlier point to see more patients that are in need of care? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd completely agree with you. And, and, uh, you know, I think that it's great that uh, Dental Care Alliance thinks like this and is focused on providing great patient care and building a trustworthy brand especially even now, because, uh, you know, I think the more and more we learn, there are so many patients who don't visit the dental practice, maybe because of fear, maybe because of, uh, you know, insurance, of course, being one of the reasons, but maybe because of fear. And, and I think there is no other way to overcome this, but by building a great brand, by providing great patient experience. So I think it's super important, especially even now. Great. Um, and, and just a follow-up question, both for Dave, you and, and James. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you spoke about sort of expanding and uh, we spoke about uh, uh, reaching more and more patients. Was there a trend that you saw during COVID where, um, you know, there were practices who were, uh, I would say, who were who had second thoughts about partnering with Dental Care, Dental Care, Dental Care Alliance or, or a DSO, but simply because COVID was a litmus test, which shows us, showed us that, the DSO model can recover much faster from a private practice model from you know a pandemic like this. Were there practices that that were more keen to sort of get onboarded, uh, post their experience with COVID, or, or more practices that have started to realize the need for partnering with the DSO? So I'll, I'll jump in there first, and then James, um, please uh, add your commentary. I would say that I think um, what what we witnessed was the um, level of awareness among doctors and practices that having a partner, the merits of having a partner are not simply for times of prosperity, but they extend as importantly to times of adversity. And so having, uh, I've said this before, having somebody who uh, has been through challenging times, albeit this is an unprecedented uh, event in in our lifetime, but having been through challenging times that show up with a plan, communicate that plan, and then stand side by side with the doctor and their practices to deliver that plan, uh, that's very reassuring. Um, that, that's what a partner should do. And I think that, I would say, appreciation or new awareness around uh, everybody wants to talk about when times are good, right? The, the benefit of having a partner and um, and what a partner can do, perhaps from a from a monetary standpoint, but in times of adversity, having a a operations team and a team of leaders within an organization like DCA that have been battle tested, that have been through, um, again, not not identical, but nonetheless um, similar challenging times, that is a steady hand on the wheel uh, that doesn't panic, uh, but rather. Uh, stands stands up and delivers on the value prop proposition that they articulated at the outset of this partnership. That I think um, is is a is a particular thing that comes to mind in terms of how we stood up um, during during COVID and how we um, you know stood and delivered. Uh, and I think that that has that has come shining through not just in the reviews uh, and feedback that we've gotten from our current affiliates, but also from the feedback that uh, we're receiving from prospective affiliates, which is they never, you could have never predicted this. Um, This was, you know, again, a a once in a lifetime event, I hope. Um, And that they now see the benefits of having a partner um, during challenging times and what that means for them, because they don't want to go through something like this alone again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yep, I think, uh, I think probably COVID has just accelerated that inflection point where practices have to start partnering with DSOs. And, and like you said, not just see that they're a good partner during good times, but also during bad times. Great. Um, great. So, uh, you know, James, now we've spoken about, uh, you know, uh, what goals DSA ha- DCA has and, um, uh, where, where you plan to further your growth. Um, during our conversation last time, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you come from an insurance background and, and you spent uh, so many years in the insurance industry. And now you're overseeing the, the insurance relations relationships at uh, DCA. 
So, you know, which, which seems like a great expansion from the role you were doing previously. But could you talk to us about what really, you know, is the role of a person who oversees relationships with insurance brands at a DSO? And, uh, and, and you know, just as the chief revenue officer, what are the elements of revenue are part of your focus? Is there an overlap with, um, with the chief financial officer? Do you work with them or, or what does the role really look like? Yeah. Um, so you start with the insurance and, 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 uh, I, I did come from an insurance company of, of quite a large one and, uh, had, had a lot of roles there. I uh, started off as a, as a, uh, an actuary pricing medical insurance and doing rate filings for medical insurance, um, and, uh, and, and projections and things like that. And then, and then moved, you know, was credentialed as an actuary and moved over to, uh, dental insurance and doing the same things, pricing and projection and rate filings, and then got into a, a much wider uh, viewpoint on the dental insurance industry. Got into product development, network network management, um, underwriting, you know, all kinds of things like that. And so, but then I, you know came over to the so I had a had a good obviously a good uh, cross section of the dental insurance. Uh, at least that one insurer, um, how, how they operate. So came over to uh, the provider side, and so it was on the other side of the table. And, um, and and you know, you know, one of the reasons it came to this side is it's you know, it, it, it's where the care happens. Um, and uh, working for a healthcare company that is providing care, you know, we talk about growth, and and that's big part of my job. And uh, growth is fun to talk about, but when we talk about growth in a, in a DSO, it's what it means is providing access to more patients that need oral health care. So it, it, it just, you know, you, you, you feel like you can have a, a great impact. And so, um, so anyway, that's one of the reasons I came, but, uh, being on the other side of the insurance relationship is, has been interesting. And, uh, I, I came into this and we had, um, we have some, uh, a department here that was, uh, already doing a lot of this work and uh, working with insurance companies, um, you know, one of the things we we focus on is is credentialing for our providers. And uh, I think um, the team at Dental Care Alliance has been a lead, uh, taking a lead on uh, delegated credentialing, which essentially means we do the credentialing and uh, in house, and um, and uh, the insurance companies delegate that function to us, which which allows us to do it more efficiently. And and get our providers in network faster, which is kind of a win-win for everybody, right? The the the, the patients can see a, an in-network provider, our, our our doctors can be in network faster, uh, and, and so on. And so um, that was that's obviously a big one. Also, you know, negotiating rate uh, and, and and reimbursements from insurance plans. Um, that's that's uh, something as. I was pretty involved with on, on, on the other side. So, uh, as an actuary, got to know that pretty well. And so it was a natural fit here at Dental Care Alliance. But, you know, in the last year, I think, uh, proud of DCA and kind of taking the lead on, uh, you know, the, the reimbursements through a very difficult year, particularly a very difficult couple of months and, um, working with the insurance companies and, uh, on, on reimbursements for, a, a, a hugely expanded cost of, uh, of additional PPE. Um, so, uh, those are some of the things we, we work on. And, um, uh, and, and again, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, we, we try to form partnerships with the, with the, with the insurance companies we do business with. Um, and, uh, and, and we've got a team that's built those relationships over 20, 20 plus years. So a lot longer than I've been here. Um, and they do a great job. The other aspects are uh, analytics. Um, I talked about analytics. We we we, we built this in house. Um, we have an analytics department that's in house. We we um, we really believe this is a competitive advantage for us. I think that right. this is something that um, can uh, can can separate us. Not all not everyone's doing this themselves, um, but we really got we got a great team that has taken our ability to uh, react. It, very, very quickly uh, to the next level. So I think this is one reason we had uh, such, I think we were able to have some some pretty good success last year and, and, and really start off the year strong this year is we were able to um, take bits of data 
predict patient demand and, and match that up with what we had. And, and so, um, you know, that, that helped us get out of COVID very quickly um, and is also one reason we've been expanding our capacity so fast uh, still to this day. I mean, we've, we're, we're, we've got a lot of openings for providers right now. It's not because of turnover. It's because we're adding providers in, in places we haven't had them before or haven't had as many. And, uh, you know, we were able to get that demand and see the demand and um, we're really ramping up the ability to see those patients. Um, and then, you know, we're doing a lot of things with, with predictive models that, uh, that, that'll allow us to, um, you know, we've got, we built one for uh, patient retention. Um, it, it, the probability that the patient we see today is going to come back. Um, we, the, the probability a patient will show up for their appointment um, in, 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 uh, on a specific day and time. And then um, things like, you know, dental assistant and provider turnover. So, you know, I think we're really advancing the ball pretty far on that and, and pretty pleased with our, our uh, ability to use the vast amount of data we have and turn it into insights, actionable insights for, our, for the, the entire organization. Oh, well, and then, absolutely. yeah. And then the last area is marketing. And, um, you know, we've got, like you said, 330 offices, hundred, you know, a little less than a hundred brands. Um, and, and so, you know, we really start from the, from the consumer or the patient, um, in trying to, to build those brands. As Dave said, you know, we believe brands are important, but right. you know, what we, we believe local, what we're trying to do is build the brands in the local community. So take what the providers and the, and the, uh, the owner doctors and, and their teams have built over time and just expand what they've been, what they've done, expand upon what they've done to build it even further. And um, so, you know, we've got a wide range of offices, um, you know, from pediatric practices <clears throat> um, to uh, with, with many locations to fee for service, you know, general practice locations with, with one office and, and, you know, and of course specialty centers and, you know, everything in between. So we've, we've really done, we've done some work to, categorize our offices into, into um, segments of the market that we think that they, that they are, uh, you know, best able to, to operate in and, 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 and maximize their value, uh, their, their reputation, I should say, <clears throat> in their local community. So, um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't, <clears throat> all these things are related. So all these three areas are related. Um, and uh, uh, it's all really focused on helping drive uh, more and more growth for our practices. So I talked a lot, but I'll stop there. <laughs> well, that's, um, uh, I think that was super detailed. Actually, uh, I, I did have one follow-up question and one thing that I do sure. want to highlight. Uh, I think you said that uh, you, you have predictive models with, with models which can tell you if, if a patient's going to show up, if a patient's going to actually show up for their recall and recare. Um, one thing that stands out is I, I think it's it's a very advanced approach because most DSOs and most private practices that we work with, we speak to, um, they're still looking to solve the problem of bringing the patient back for recall, right? Through automation or, or just through calling them back. I think you've taken a step ahead to even predict if that's going to happen or not. So I think that that really stands out. And, and yeah, the reason why I highlighted this is because probably a lot of our DSO listenership should start thinking about this. And uh, just had a follow-up question. Um, you, you know, we've, we've spoken about this in the past and, and you said that... Uh, we have 100 plus different brands. Um, thinking of it from a marketer's lens, um, so if, if I had to compare it to a DSO with a single brand, it's you know all of their social media pages, all of their digital, I would say all of their digital presence is just that brand, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so, so essentially, how, how have you tackled this challenge? Is it each brand doing their marketing on their own? Is it a is, is the marketing sort of outsourced or is it a large team internally? Because 100 plus brands is... I mean, most companies find it hard to manage one brand, right? So, so how do you tackle this problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think you know the so it is a, that is a very you know big challenge for our for our marketing team, and that's you know that's why we've um, so we first of all you start with the we try to start with a consumer perspective um, and map out what what we believe are different segments of the market. What is what does the market look like? What are, what do different groups of consumers want? And, and, and once we were able to do that, we were, we, 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 we figured out, you know, how offices should be targeting these patients. Um, and I, you know, we don't believe that all of our offices should be the same. And we don't believe that, um, we can be all things to all people. 
Um, so what we've done is segment our hundred brands into categories of, of, uh, of the market. So we have, you know, we, multiple brands are they're you know, in different markets in different cities. Um, but multiple brands that operate in similar segments of the market. <clears throat> um, and the playbook, the marketing playbook for those, and you know, the way we would market them on social media is, is pretty similar. Um, it, you know, it's different, different, um, geography, a different part of the country. And so we take those nuances into account, but in, in general, the, the segment of the market that they're going after is the same. So that's how we've been able to, uh, you know, manage this many brands with a, with a team. And, you know, we've got some scale. So we, we use an advertising agency to aid us, we, you know, aid our internal marketing department. Um, but we've got people that are focused on each sec, each segment of the market that we've mapped out and, and, uh, in managing the brands in those categories. <clears throat> got it. Got it. Now that's helpful to know. A lot of the SOs now that we see are coming up are, do, are realizing the value of having a local brand. So hopefully this will be a learning curve for them and a big takeaway for them as well. Um, thanks. Thanks a lot for that, you know, for, for sharing all the details, James. And um, great. Um, you know, Dave, uh, now that we've learned about James' role and, and, and his experience and, and the kind of things that projects that he's managing, uh, at DCA, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about the dentist side of things, right? Um, since, uh, since you are directly responsible for the development, um, hundred plus patient facing brands, what's really the goal and approach behind these hundred plus patient facing brands, right? How's it different from, uh, I would say someone like a, a Heartland or, or an Aspen that has a single brand. Sure. I think we touched on, uh, some of it previously, yes. which is how do we embrace the brand uh, and how do we expand it? Uh, and then I think uh, the other differentiator is around how do we grow um, and, and that alignment around growth. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe uh, anybody gets excited about status quo uh, or running in place. And so uh, a, a lot of what James articulated uh, in, in his prior comments uh, I think really manifests itself in being able to show up and deliver either information or tools that the practice doesn't otherwise uh, have on its own today, uh, may not be able to build on its own, or if they try to do so, would cost um, significant time and money. Uh, and so being able to bring 30 years of investment and experience to the benefit of the practice uh, and, and unlock growth that they likely are unable to do on their own. I would say that that is a particular point of differentiation. Um, and I think there's also, uh, as, as we talked about before, right, there's, there's intangible value in, in the brand that you're supporting in a local community. Uh, so different from an Aspen for sure, um, different from some other, what I would call branded, um, DSOs or, or, or multi-site healthcare retail concepts out there. And that's not to say that those are, those are bad concepts or, uh, they certainly, uh, you know, you, you look at Aspen, it certainly has encountered its fair share of success and growth. Um, but ours is very different. Ours is looking to establish ourselves as a partner to, uh, an existing brand an established brand. And then really, uh, how, do we, how do we listen uh, to our prospective partner? Uh, how do we then bring the skills and tools that we've developed to the benefit of the practice? And, how do, and ultimately, how do we grow together? And I think that, that, that alignment around growth and wanting to grow, um, that's, that's, a, that's a particular importance. This isn't merely um, growth for, sakes of, for the sake of pins on a map. That's not, that's not what gets us excited uh, about a prospective partnership, but rather somebody who sees the opportunity uh, in their local community, sees the, the power behind their brand, um, sees the, the recognition that that has with their patients, and really wants to pull a proven partner into their practice. I, I, I say oftentimes, if we're trying to bang somebody's door down to convince them that we're the you know, we're the ideal partner for their practice, that's likely a partnership that's not going to work out. But if we've done our job to really 
convey to them uh, what we can do as a value-added partner and how that manifests in, in, in growth inside the practice. And they're pulling us in because it's something that they want. Um, that's where I think the power of the partnership really gets, really gets unlocked. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I think to your last point, uh, it's, it's, it's very much like sales, right? Although you're trying to get someone to partner with you, but even with sales, you, uh, my biggest learning as well, very similar to yours has been that when you're trying to sell a product to somebody, if, if they're not excited about it, even if it's for free or, you know, whatever it may be, then you're, you're trying to essentially help them prioritize a project, which was never a priority for them. And, and that's not going to be a great sale, right? So I think in a very similar fashion, you spoke about partnership, that if you're trying to prove it that you're the best partner, probably it may not land in the situation where you wanted to see it. I 100% agree. Uh, and I, I would tell you that the, the best advocates for DCA are our doctors. Right. Uh, I, I can tell them till, you know, I'm blue in the face, all the wonderful things that we do. But I think really being able to provide them access and transparency into existing affiliates and partners of ours. That's, that's the most powerful message that we can communicate in terms of what we can bring to the, to, to their respective practice. Uh, and the, the case studies that we've developed, um, that, that really lay out, uh, for a prospective affiliate in terms of how we have, uh, stood alongside and plugged into practices and how we have worked, right. This is a collaborative endeavor. This is not, a DCA endeavor. It, it only works where clinical and operations come together to really manifest um, a plan and, and unlock growth. But those are the best, those are the best, I would say, messages and advertisements for DCA is what we have done for our practices and what do our doctors have to say about us as a partner? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And yep, I think, um, uh, I think the, the approach of having 100 plus different brands uh, would potentially, I think it's a great idea. And, and like you spoke about, it's, it's a partnership. It's, it's, not, it's not a sale that you're pushing someone down someone's throat. So I think that's, uh, and, and just to talk a little bit about the partnership model itself, are these affiliations, are these um, MNAs, how, how does that look like? And if both you and James could talk a little bit about what sort of support can practices expect, you know, let's say, uh, uh, you know, four to five objective things that they would really get. Um, the, the reason why I ask is, for example, most uh, private practices that we work with, when, when we speak to them and when we ask them that, you know, why haven't you picked a partner with the DSO? A lot of times they don't know what to expect. A lot of times they don't know what will get, uh, what will get taken off their hands and taken so that they can focus on oral health care, right? which is a big advantage. So if you could talk about the model and, and you know, what are those objective support points which, which practices can expect? Absolutely. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take the first part uh, and then uh, sure. I'll hand the baton to James and, and he can cover the, the support functions that we provide to practices. Um, sure. So in terms of how a typical um, partnership works, and I, and I underscore the, the word partnership is um, we will... Uh, from a purely from a, a, a diligence and standpoint, we will ask for uh, a set of uh, information uh, from the, the doctor uh, on the practice uh, that gives us both some operational as well as financial um, pieces of information, pieces of data that we can then codify into a into a, a an operating model that ultimately tells us. Uh, what the profile of the practice is, both operationally and financially. Um, that then ultimately transcends into uh, a valuation um, that will communicate uh, to the doctor, to the owners, uh, and give them full transparency into how we're calculating that valuation so that uh, uh, they know exactly the inputs that drove the output. Um, and also, you know, as you can well imagine, in in, uh, in doctor-led businesses that are private practices, we don't always have 100% line of sight into all the, uh, I would say, nitty-gritty details. And so if we're mischaracterizing something or uh, we, we, we haven't included something in our analysis, we want to make sure that we, they've had their eyes on it so that they can correct any um, uh, misclassifications or omissions that may exist in the model. 
Um, but ultimately, when we have that valuation, assuming that's acceptable, um, then it really comes down to uh, a few pieces of consideration. Um, the first, which everybody gets excited about, is cash. Um, so there's a cash consideration or a cash component. Um, that usually accounts for, I would say, 65 to 75% of the total valuation. And then the balance, the 25 to 35%, um, is conveyed to them in retained ownership at the local level in their practice or practices. And then also um, equity ownership in DCA holding company, which is representative of all 330 plus practices. And so the reason behind that is, is we wanna be aligned at the local level, right? To, to partner together and grow the practice. And that benefit inures not to just DCA, but also to the, the go forward uh, owners in the, in the practice. Um, but we also wanna be aligned with them at the enterprise level, right? At the DCA holding company level. Um, so we're, we're thinking and acting like partners, both locally as well as enterprise wide. Uh, and that that's typically how our, our partnerships work uh, from a structural mechanic standpoint. I'll hand the baton to James and he can talk about the support service functions that we offer. Sure. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, it, you know, you talk about what are the, what are the things, what, what are four or five things that we can, we can do? Well, I, I guess I'd start by saying, well, it's really one thing. It's, it's a, what we're offering is a commitment to work together on a strategy for growth of their practice. And that's probably the best way to summarize, um, what, you know, the things, but you know, the, how does that manifest itself specifically? You know, the, the obvious things like accounting and finance, um, it, we talked about insurance and marketing. Um, but also you have, uh, recruiting, uh, HR and, compl and compliance procurement, uh, real estate. So there's, those are, you know, some of the departments we have, but none of them are operating as a, uh, you know, independently, uh, or, or, or doing it solely, uh, on behalf of the practices we're working together because in, you know, and I, I've talked about insurance before, but like we're mandating the insurances. We've got, like I said, a hundred different brands, probably got a hundred different mixes of insurances that we accept. Um, and, and we do that because, you know, not because it's easier, it's actually quite a bit more complex to manage that way, but we do that because that's what's best for that practice and how, how they're, um, uh, how they're seeing patients. So I think the first thing we, we do with, with new, new affiliation or you know, new practice is understand what are the strengths of the practice? What are, what are, what's going well? I mean, I think we'd be foolish to go in, um, you know, guns blazing and change everything when there's probably a lot of things that practice that are working really well. And, and so, um, that's, that's not our goal. Well, that said though, I mean, as, and I know Dave says this a lot, but, um, things are going to change. And, and, and as we, as we tell groups, you know, don't let anyone tell you nothing's going to change because there is going to be change, but the change doesn't have to be disruptive. Um, and, and it, 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 it so, um, you know, like I said, we work at, we look at insurance mix, we look at participation, uh, rates and what, what, what uh, rates of insurance and, and make recommendations, but it may not be an issue that needs to be addressed immediately. Um, now we, we probably can, can help them on negotiating. Um, that's, that, that, that pretty much probably helps everybody just because of the scale and the leverage. Um, but, um, but we really work together to find, find things to, uh, improve. Um, and, and really a lot of the administrative burden is going to be, is going to be the easy ones to eliminate for them immediately. Um, but a lot of this, the strategic, the strategic aspects, uh, you know, we're working together on that and the culture of their office is, is, um, you know, not something we're looking to drastically change. So, um, I hope, I hope that summarizes how we're, our approach to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think you put it really well. Um, it, it sort of, uh, you know, sends me back to 2018 when I met my relative who runs a dental practice. And he always told me, which is part of the reason why we do this podcast and, and how I got into the industry as well was he always told me that his biggest challenge was running a business because dental schools didn't teach you anything about business except oral health. And, 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 you know, while I've never thought about this, but today to me, after listening to your response, it feels so much like the DSO model essentially is bridging that huge gap just to mm -hmm. make 
the dentists more and more successful because at school you're not taught all of this. Why don't you come and join a DSO? You do what you're great at and what you love doing and the DSO will handle everything else. Yeah. I think that's why our, our part of the industry exists <laughs> um, and, and why it's growing, grown so, grown so much over the years and, and why it's, it, the, the pace of growth is, is even accelerating now. Um, yeah, a, a, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. I mean, this has, this has been such a, I would say, uh, insightful conversation for me, and I'm sure that it's going to be for the audience as well. Just one last question from my side before we wrap the day. Um, you know, given the current situation and, and we really don't know when things are going to get better, uh, what have you seen really change? Uh, I know we spoke about the relationship part where, um, the, 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 relationships have become, I would say not easier, but people have learned and, and, you know, they've understood it much, much more that DSOs are bringing a lot of value, right? Especially because of COVID, but from an insurance relationship perspective as well, has that impacted, has that been impacted because of COVID in any way? Well, yeah, I, I uh, so I, I spoke about this a little bit earlier, but it, you know, as so it's just you know a little over a year ago now it, that uh, everything changed. It would would seem like overnight, and you know, nobody nobody knew how, how long you know what 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 it was going to look like. What we did know is that our practices were effectively shut down, um, and and uh, seeing emergencies and. What that does is, there's there's if uh, with a mandated shutdown of say two months, I mean there there's there's really no way to sustain that, um, and so we have much you know drastically reduced patient volumes. Obviously, we're only seeing emergencies. Um, what that does to our cost structure and ability to sustain a business is is you know we had to make some hard choices uh, temporarily. Well, one of them was you know, securing PPE. <laughs> we've, we've got to secure PPE. I, I, uh, I don't know how you would, uh, how you went through that as a private practice. And I know some did very well, but that, that would have been a very difficult time. Uh, and I, I, I think a lot of our practices would, would be glad they had a partner during that time, but, um, so procuring PPE and the cost at which we procured PPE, um, it was not only was the cost per unit higher, but we had a lot more things uh, that that uh, a lot more PPE. You know, the the way we would describe it was, you know, what the doctor was wearing um, a year ago. That's what the front desk is wearing now. Um, so you just think about how much more PPE is being used, and because of that demand, how much more the prices are. So we worked with insurance companies um, in our in our association, um, and 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 even some some uh, regulators. On, uh, on, on trying to address this issue and, you know, get some support from the insurance companies on uh, PPE reimbursement, reimbursement, reimbursing for the, the, the big added costs. And, and that, that turned out pretty well uh, for, for, a, for a brief period of time. Uh, there, are, there were some insurance companies that really stepped up to the plate others that didn't, didn't really do anything. <laughs> so I'm not going to, I won't name names, but, um, they, they know who they are. Um, and, uh, so, but we took a lead role and we're constantly talking to them about that and, uh, and, and talking to our association. Um, so that was one. The other one I would say is teledentistry. Um, and, and that we worked a lot with our insurance companies because teledentistry has been out there, um, there's been some use of it, but it really wasn't, it really, really hadn't taken off. So getting reimbursed for those services really wasn't a model to do that. So we had to, and the ADA helped in this quite a bit, but, um, getting, getting with the, each insurance company to understand what they were going to do, um, and how they were going to allow us to see patients remotely, uh, for that period where we had the shutdown. Um, and so we ramped that up pretty quickly and, um, and, and now we're able to see patients in person, which is our preferred method. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks a lot for sharing that. I think that was super detailed. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware that of course I, as a, as an outsider who's not uh, running the show on ground, I think I, I never thought that yes, of course, tele dentistry could bring in challenges with insurance, but yes, I think uh, definitely that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, thanks a lot for being on the show, uh, Dave and, and James. I think it's it's been a great experience. I'm, I'm sure that you know our audience is going to learn a lot from both of you. Um, I, especially for me, it's been a humbling experience. So much to learn. 
Um, would would love to know if if someone from the audience wants to reach out to any of you, especially for example, if private practices want to reach out, or or if anybody wants to reach out to learn more about DCA and and how they could work with you. What's the best way to reach out? Sure. Uh, so I I always encourage people to reach out uh, with with any questions. Uh, or if they just want to have a discussion about uh, learn more about DCA and, and probably as importantly, share with us um, their history and, and their practice. Uh, best way to get a hold of me uh, is my email or my cell phone. Uh, my email is uh, dpeg, D-P-E-G-G at dentalcarealliance.com. Uh, and my cell phone is 610-304-5029. Uh, always open lines uh, on both and, and would love to hear from, from folks with any questions or, uh, or anybody interested in just wanting to talk. Great. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Dave, for that. Yeah. And I, I, I'd share the same thing. And, and, you know, mine is jnick at dentalcarelines.com and uh, welcome any emails. Um, cell phone 920-265-4362 and would welcome Welcome that as well. Or you, you always look, LinkedIn's an easy way to look people up these days and, right. and, right. and I'm trying to be active on there. So uh, anybody can feel free to find me on there and be happy to, happy to talk that way as well. Great. Great. Well, it was great talking to both of you and having you on the podcast. I, um, and good luck to the entire team at uh, Dental Care Alliance. And, and, I'm, and I'm confident that, you know, that number from 330 while it's just a number, uh, I'm sure that patient volume is definitely going to increase in this year and in the years moving forward with the vision that you have. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks, Anmol. Most appreciative of you having us. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emitter's Podcast. Want to learn how you can reduce your new patient missed calls and grow your practice by 40% today? Take a look at emitrr.com.